Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer today, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. You can follow us on our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All the shows are posted on podcasts, on SoundCloud, on TuneIn Radio, and iTunes. You can also uh, stream us on radio.com. And last but not least, you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. So it's America's Healthcare Advocate on Instagram and on Facebook, it's America's Healthcare Advocate. Also, Carrie, C-A-R-Y Hall, H-A-L-L. You can do it any one of those ways. So lots of stuff is posted up there. All these shows get posted up there. So if you, you know, you, we, this, this show today is going to be a multiple topic show, and I'll go through that here in a minute. But if you want to tell somebody, hey, you know, he just talked about a brand new cancer cure or or, or a brand new test that, that women need to have for cancer, whatever the case may be, or an update on Obamacare. All of that is up on the website. It's on those podcasts. Also, our videos are up there. The Summer series is still running. We're about wrapping that up, and then we're going to launch some new videos. But the the pet series uh, videos are up there with Dr. Hunhausen and myself. So all of that's available on our website. You can like me on Facebook. You can also send me messages um, on Facebook or on Instagram, either one. And obviously, send me an email from the website. If you want help with something, if we can reach out to you about anything regarding health insurance, health care, whatever the case may be, that phone number is 877-385-2224. As always, operators are standing by and they'll take your calls, 877-385-2224. All right, this is going to be an interesting show. I pulled, did a lot of work before I came in the studio today and pulled together a whole series of different things that I've been kind of stockpiling, waiting to get on the air and go through these things. So the, we got a series of Topics we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about medical marijuana today. That's right, Darren. We're going to see if we can, you know, talk about why people can be medically high. Okay, so we're going to talk about medical marijuana. We're going to talk about some new cancer treatments. We're going to talk about gene testing for certain women uh, regarding cancer. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give you an update on Medicare for All. Where are we at with that? What 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 are the candidates saying? What are the realities of it? You know, what is it looking like now? Uh, we're also going to talk about the public option because you're hearing that floated by people like Kamala Harris as well. Let's start with the public option. So we'll talk about the public option, what it is, how it works, and, and, and how that might work if we had it. We're also going to do a little fact check on Obamacare, which I think you're going to find interesting especially when you contrast that with what we were told was going to happen with Obamacare when it was put in place um, four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. So we're going to go through all of that today. This is one of those shows where I have multiple topics and things that I think you might be interested in. So we're going to start with 
um, a, a brand new uh, gene test that women are being urged to get. Let me start. This article comes out of the New York Times. Yes, I do read the New York Times. More women should be tested for gene mutations that could increase their risk for developing cancer, according to new recommendations by the U.S. Preventative Task Force. So here's what they're saying. Mutations for the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. Now, you may remember I have talked about these as they apply to breast cancer. In fact, we've had multiple oncologists on this show and talked about if you are of Ashkenazi Jewish heritage or Eastern European, um, you may be at greater risk for breast cancer if you have the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. So what they're saying now is that if you have the BRCA1 or BRCA2 genes, you may have genes that are rare and on can cause a mutation if you have had certain kinds of cancer. So if you have had ovarian cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, these are all new things that they're saying could lead to additional cancers. And they're suggesting that you should be checked for that uh, and have a gene test. So there's gene therapy available where you go in, you get counseling, and then they, they run these tests. By the way, the tests are covered by health insurance policies, so you shouldn't have any problem there, especially if you represent that you are um, Ashkenazi Jewish heritage or Eastern European. Once again, though, even if you're not, okay, and you're a woman who has had breast cancer, colon cancer, ovarian cancer, fallopian tube cancer, any of these things, this is an update that comes to us um, from the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, and we're making people aware that this is something to get tested for. Like I said, it is covered by your health insurance, so you definitely want to take a look at that. Um, if you have had any of those illnesses, any of those cancers, it's certainly something to do. And also, if you haven't had any of it, but you know you are um, of Ashkenazi Jewish heritage, um, I strongly urge you to get in and uh, have a, uh, have that test done so that you know if you're at risk for breast cancer, uh, it's it, it's worthwhile to do. All right, let's talk a little bit about something going on out in La La Land in California, um, and I think you'll find this kind of interesting. So with, this comes out of the Wall Street Journal, by the way. No, actually, this comes from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, with record $214 billion budget, California has California has become the first state in the U.S. to expand government-subsidized health care for some adult immigrants living in the country illegally. That's right. So in California now, they are going to cover people that are that they know are living in the country illegally. So the, the and what they're doing is they're they're planning a seven percent increase in their budget. Okay, two hundred fourteen billion is their budget, but they're going to increase that by seven percent, and they're getting it because of a record twenty one point five billion dollars in surplus that they were able to bring in through some of the Silicon Valley sales and, and IPOs and other things that have happened that, that have created a significant amount of additional income for the state of California. So, so while undocumented children are already eligible for coverage in the state, some lawmakers had written bills extending eligibility to allow low-income people, regardless of their immigration status, hope everybody's hearing that. Regardless of their immigration status, Governor Newsom prevailed with an expansion of the plan allowing only authorized immigrants under the age of 26 to enroll in Medi-Cal and the state's Medicaid. So here's how it works, okay? If you're under the age of 26 and you're illegal in the country, you can go uh, apply and receive Medi-Cal and Medicaid. The budget also allocates $2.4 billion to combat homelessness. I got to ask you a question, okay? Have you been watching the news at all? 
How good are they doing combating homelessness in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego when feces and needles are covering the streets and people are so furious over it that now they're starting to rebel against the Democrat leaders of those particular cities? So I don't know how all this is going to work, but um, what we're hearing is, you know, there are angry Californians who are saying they're tired of paying more and getting less and turning around and providing health insurance um, for illegal aliens. And that's exactly what they're going to do. So, you know, you got to ask yourself a question here. You think the the people south of the border are going to hear that and try that much harder to get into California? Because, hey, it's a good deal. You can come into California and you can get free health care. You don't have it in Mexico, I can tell you that. You don't have it in Honduras, El Salvador, Costa Rica, any of the places these people are coming out of. So can you blame them? I mean, you know, you're going to go to California and get free health care. So that's how it's going to work. Here's what's interesting in California. The top 1% of earners in California pay 46% of the taxes. Did you know that? 1% pays 46% of the taxes. Got a little newsflash for you. Who do you think's leaving the state? There was a fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal, Journal the other day about how hot the real estate market is here in the Midwest. Do you know why? Because people from California are relocating here. We've got a young couple moved into a huge house right next door to us, um, sold their one-bedroom condominium in San Francisco, and moved in here and reduced their costs and had a beautiful home to live in. So it's happening. I just think it's kind of interesting. Here's another thing that's kind of interesting. If there is a recession, or better yet, when there is a recession, okay, if there's a mild recession, it could result in deficits of up to $40 billion uh, over a three-year span. Uh, The state finance department has depicted that as a definite possibility. So here we go. You know, California is now going to offer health insurance uh, covering illegal aliens. um, And, uh, you know, folks south of the border know if they come to uh, California, in addition to all the other benefits they're going to get, they're going to get free health insurance. That's how it's going to work. And, uh, you know, it looks good now. They've got the money to pay for it. It'll be really interesting to see when the recession comes and there will be a correction in the market. There will be a recession at some point. This is the longest expansion uh, of our economy in the history of this country. So it's inevitable that there's going to be a pullback. And when it does, uh, California could be facing a $40 billion deficit that they don't know how they're going to cover. So... It uh, makes you wonder what they're thinking about. When we come back from the break, we're going to get into some of these other topics. We're going to talk about what's going on with Obamacare. I want to contrast that with what we were told was going to go on, and then I'm going to tell you what is actually going on. So stay tuned. I'm going to be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us by going to our website, America's Healthcare Advocate.com. America's Healthcare 
AdvocateAdvocate.com. You can also follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram. America's Healthcare Advocate is how you do it. And uh, I've also got a Facebook page under my name, Carrie, C-A-R-Y Hall, H-A-L-L. So my producer today, Mr. Darren Wilhite, um, we're doing what I call one of my multiple topic shows covering um, various topics. And we're going to move on here to the next topic in this segment. And we're going to give you a little perspective on what's going on with Obamacare. Now, I'm going to hearken back to a number of years ago when I was traveling around the country making speeches on this, appearing on PBS and talking about it uh, and, and explaining that it wasn't going to work, that what was going to happen over a period of time was we're going to start out with this program and then it was going to start running into all kinds of problems. Number one, you're mandating people to buy health insurance. The cost was going to rise dramatically uh, because of the way it was written and what they were doing with it and because of the restrictions they put on the carriers. And of course, initially, the carriers were all on board. Blue Cross of Kansas City was actually one of the first, was the first carrier in the country to get certified and jump on board and and and, and offer policies to policyholders along with United Healthcare, Aetna. Uh, there were a whole series of plans out there that were doing this. Well, fast forward to today, and here's where we're at. And by the way, what I'm about to read you out of the Wall Street Journal comes from the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. They released this report here a couple of weeks ago. So this isn't some right-wing think tank, okay, or, or, or some right-wing publication. This is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So here's what's happening. This week, they released a report, the individual health insurance market. The results are ugly. Of a particular note is a continued flight from those who aren't entitled to the Affordable Care Act's tax credit subsidies and thus are exposed to the full pain of high premiums. Okay, so the tax crest, the tax credits phase out at a hundred thousand for a family of four. Now I know when I say hundred thousand, people will, my God, they shouldn't get credits. Well, back that up a little bit, okay? Knock thirty percent off of that for taxes, and now you're looking at mom and dad bringing home about thirty-five thousand dollars a year apiece. That's not a lot of money, okay? But those people could buy health insurance before on the open marketplace. Now, if they go to the open marketplace, here's what happens: from two thousand. 16 to 2018, enrollment among those who didn't qualify for subsidies dropped by 2.5 million people, a 40% decline nationally on the national average. The market fell by 7% between 17 and 18, and CMS says the decline occurred entirely among, among people who didn't receive subsidies. Why is that? Because the premiums have gotten outrageous. An average 43-year-old male on these plans runs anywhere from $700 to $900 a month. I've got a family right now, a doctor and, her, and his wife, who called me. They're paying $3,000 a month for health insurance because, obviously, they don't get a subsidy. So this is not working, people. You know, the, 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 the exodus is huge. So what CMS goes on to say... <clears throat> that the subsidized portion of the market was 122% larger than the un unsubsidized portion of the market in 2018, up from up 61% from 2017. In other words, Obamacare plans are increasingly valuable only to those who receive cash transfers to buy it. So basically what that means is if you've got a subsidy and they're paying for your health insurance, they're paying for 90% of it or 70% of it, whatever it is, okay, then you you'll you'll use the the subsidized plans. If not, you're not going to do it. Okay, and and that's what's happened. So Democrats don't. The, the article goes on to say Democrats don't seem to realize 
what an indictment it is that so many Americans don't care to buy this insurance without coercion, meaning that when President Trump got rid of the mandatory rule, said you had to buy insurance, that, that people bailed off the plan because they weren't going to pay for this. They weren't going to pay these outrageous premiums for these, for, for these policies. So they go on to say Americans are frightened by Medicare for all, but won't, don't be surprised if they take a flyer on the single-payer system if the GOP isn't offering an alternative. So what they're saying here is Republicans need to get a message and need to get their act together um, and come up with an alternative to this because this is not working, okay? It's simply not working. If it was working, you wouldn't have a decline. Uh, of, uh, of this, these kinds of numbers, 40%, okay, 2.5 million people dropped off the policies. And by the way, let's talk about that for a minute. You know how many carriers are left in this marketplace? Well, pretty much AM Better Centene is the largest carrier in the country right now. And here's another little piece of insight for you that I think you might enjoy. They won't even, they don't even talk about writing people health insurance on Centene AM Better if they don't get a subsidy. I was told flat out by their marketing people, we're not interested in people that don't get a subsidy. We're only interested in the people that are getting a subsidy. And by the way, the subsidies keep going up and the costs keep going up. And what happens? They keep getting passed on to, to the taxpayer because the American taxpayer is paying these subsidies for this health insurance. So, you know, as with so many things that start out as good intentions with government programs, this really hasn't worked out all that well, and it's getting worse, not better. So there are some, you know, there are some escape hatches, some some relief valves out there, if you will. Short-term policies are now available for an entire year. So if you're looking for health insurance on a short-term basis, in other words, year to year, uh, you can buy a policy, a short-term policy, like here in Kansas City, uh, Blue Cross has a short-term policy. It's, it's a uh, really good policy available. Um, it doesn't cover all the whistles and bells, but it does offer real health insurance with real network choices. And it probably costs about half of what you would pay or less uh, what you would pay with a non-subsidized Obamacare policy. So that's one escape hatch uh, that a lot of people are using now because it's available to them. A lot of people are also going with these MediShare programs like Christian MediShare. I've talked about it a lot. I'm not a big fan of them, uh, primarily because they're not regulated. Um, and they tell you up front, it's not health insurance. Well, it's not, okay? Um, and if they choose not to pay a claim, then you have no right of appeal and you have no place to go to complain about this because, unfortunately, they're not regulated by the Department of Insurance because it's basically crowd sharing for insurance. But, you know, they're putting a lot of people on those plans. I'm sure you've heard the commercials running constantly. Um, and, and that works for some people. And, you know, God bless them if it does. Um, and it's an alternative. And it's certainly a lot less money um, than, than what it costs to buy an Obamacare policy if you do not have um, a subsidy. So those are some of the alternatives. We're also seeing uh, a lot of different offerings on the group side for smaller groups. So a lot of, for instance, this doctor who called the other day advised me that she didn't have group health insurance. This was an individual policy. And I said, well, how many people in your practice? And she said, 10. I said, well, for what, you know, how many people would be eligible? Well, about four. I said, well, for what you're paying for individual health insurance, you could probably cover the premiums for all four of those people, um, employees. You could at least cover them uh, to the tune of 50%, which is the, the minimum required by the carrier. So, you know, a lot of folks are migrating off of these um, uh, off of these uh, individual Obamacare non-subsidized policies, and employers are stepping up and buying uh, group health insurance plans for a lot of reasons. It stabilizes their workforce. She was trying to attract a new 
nurse practitioner, and uh, that all kind of fed into it. So that, that's the update on Obamacare. It's not good news. If you're not getting a subsidy, you're probably not going to be on it. When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to uh, talk about some new cancer treatments that I think you'll find interesting, um, and, and, and we're going to get into that. And then we're going to do an update on Medicare for All, and we're going to talk a little bit about the public options. So stay tuned. We've got a lot going on. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. By the way, you know, you're hearing all this stuff. If you want to, you know, send me an email about it or or have an idea of something you'd like to hear me talk about, send me an email. Go to Instagram. Send it to me on Instagram. Go to the website and send me an email or or you know, go to Facebook and put it up there or wherever you want to. You can communicate with me. I'll be happy to get back to you. I'm always looking for new topics and ideas to bring on this show. So uh, feel free to do that. The website, again, americashealthcareadvocate.com. And the Instagram is America's Healthcare Advocate, as, long, as well as the Facebook page. And as I said in the opening monologue, these shows are all posted on the podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, um, and Spreaker. So we're up there on all of them now. Um, <clears throat> if you want to tell somebody about one of these topics. All right, so I'm going to lead off with medical marijuana. This is an interesting topic, and it has some personal meaning to me, not because I'm doing medical marijuana, don't get any ideas. But let me just start off with, so Missouri was the 33rd, 33rd state to approve medical marijuana. That just happened here um, earlier this year. So I'm going to read you out of our uh, local paper, the Kansas City Star, an article uh, about doctors therapy using uh, medical marijuana as the therapy. For more than 35 years, Lee Summit gastroenterologist Mark Tamoria has treated patients racked with inflammatory bowel conditions like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. They suffer from chronic bloody diarrhea, abdominal cramps that double them over in pain. Those who get little or no relief from traditional medications, Tamoria is welcoming the chance to help them try an alternative medical marijuana. They have to worry about where the bathrooms are located, whether they can make it to the work whether they can make it to work because of a chronic abdominal pain or whether they're able to afford their medications, whether they're able to have a normal life uh, with, with, with their partner, says Dr. Tamoria. All right, so let me inject something here a little personal. My wife has had Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis for the last 20 years, okay? And when they say doubled over in pain, I, my wife's got an extremely high tolerance for pain, and I've seen her in tears uh, because she has been in so much pain uh, and, and dealt with all the other issues I already described here. So this is a very real thing for an awful lot of people. For some reason, it seems to be a lot more prevalent in women than it does men. But it's a real issue. And I'll tell you how bad it got for us. At one point, my wife was actually on tincture of opium, prescribed by a doctor that she was taking opium, uh, to get this thing under control now. Thank God we found a great doctor out in California. Um, she's been on a very strict diet. 
certain foods she can eat, certain foods she can't. Um, she exercises three times a week, does yoga and Pilates, really watches her food and what she does. And right now, we're in remission, but it doesn't, it, you know, it flares. And when it flares, um, we have a very, very difficult time. So to me, if this doctor is saying, and I know for a fact that marijuana can make a difference here, they use it for cancer treatment, they use it for a lot of other things, I think it's a good thing. So here, here, so, and I'm going to go on with this. All the state's major physician groups oppose it, saying there hasn't been enough research to prove cannabis effective for many of the eligible conditions. Well, wait a minute. Okay, hold the phone here a minute. We'll push out every drug on the planet to you, okay? And believe me, she's had most of them, from prednisone to every other steroid you can think of. Uh, but, but, but we're saying we can't try medical marijuana because there haven't been enough research. That's a load of hay, people, all right? You know, cancer patients have been doing this for a long time, and it relieves pain. It gives them an appetite. It allows them to eat and allows them to deal with the suffering. So I don't buy that. And I think, you know, I also say that I think there's an agenda here, which is pharmaceuticals on the part of these doctors that are poo-pooing this, all right? So it, 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 this is just – Dr. Tabori was on to say that the medical community, medical community should be more constructive and less obstructive. And I couldn't agree with that more, Okay. The article then goes on to uh, talk about a, another doctor, Dr. Sue Bubinek, okay? And she talks about the fact that they're the, uh, using medical marijuana as an opioid alternative. Listen to this, okay? Missouri, is, it's a, we're the 32nd state to legalize medical marijuana. Before moving to Kansas City, Bubinek was a, was a nurse and a doctor in Oregon. She said that she intends to primarily use medical marijuana as an alternative to opioid painkillers because the state is the state heavily scrutinizes doctors for those drugs and because she's uncomfortable with the high risk addiction we have an epidemic of opioid crisis in this country guess what medical marijuana is less addictive i'm going to read this right out of the article Me- medical marijuana is half as addictive as opioids all right half as addictive. So why not try this as opposed to hooking people up on these opioids uh, and making them totally despondent and unable to function and drug addicts, because that's exactly what it does. Okay. So basically what I want to say here is I think this is a good thing. And I think it, I think I'm not talking about recreational marijuana. That's a different topic. I'm talking about using this for people that have medical issues. And I also think that Dr. Bibinek has got a great idea here when she says, make this an alternative to opioids, because we certainly need to do something to help people wean off that stuff and start to get their lives back in order again. All right. So the next topic that I'm going to talk about is um, cancer. And this is an article written in the Wall Street Journal, and it's titled, Every Cancer Patient is One in a Billion. And it's written by Dr. Robert Nagorny. All right. And I'm not, I'm going to kind of skip through this a little bit, but I want to, I want to talk about the fact that he, he's talking about here that, that cancer treatment has to be tailored to each individual and should be. So he goes on to say, despite the manifest complexity of cancer biology, modern oncologists are being asked by insurers, hospital systems, and regulatory agencies to reduce therapy options to an ever shrinking number of guideline medical treatments, one size fits all approach, attempting to apply population statistics to individual patients, and it is rapidly proving one-size-fits-all almost fits none. 
He goes on to say, physician's role is to discern what makes each patient unique and to take the time to find out while gene profiling offers hope, cancer has proved to be a much more complex sum of its genes. The study of human tumors at the tissue level suggests that it may be possible to reverse engineer the process by moving away from the top-down analysis and change it to a bottom-up analysis. So, what he's saying here, so everybody gets this, is that regulatory agencies, that would be the government. That would be Medicare, Medicaid, and, 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 and how the government is measuring effectiveness of medical providers, okay, are forcing them into the straitjacket. Insurance carriers are doing the same thing. Okay, they're forcing them into these protocols that they're saying these are proven protocols. He's saying that's not necessarily so. All right. Cancer cell defenses can now be examined in a laboratory by using drugs, gene treated agents and inhibitors of cellular metabolism to probe human tumor biology. We can ask what is what cell survives the process? What cell survival process is your cancer using? More important, can it be targeted therapeutically? All right, so they have the technology to do this, and I've seen it done. Cancer Treatment Center of America is doing it. KU Medical Center is doing it here in Kansas City. So it's being done across the country. But putting these doctors in a straitjacket is not going to make it happen. He goes on to say he had a newly diagnosed lung patient with lung cancer patient that had metastasized into the brain. Once they arrived in his office, she told her that her oncologist was so pessimistic, he told her to get her affairs in order. Her studies have revealed a simple two-drug combination that provided remission that has now lasted for 10 years. When we met shortly after her diagnosis to discuss the recommended treatment, she blurted out, you mean I'm not going to die? Think about that, people. Okay, think about that when we get into this whole discussion about government-run health care. Because right now, I'm telling you, this is an issue. Okay, and it's going to continue to be an issue uh, as we move forward. And what this doctor is saying is, as he says in the title of the article, every cancer patient is one in a billion. Okay, and when he talks about reverse engineering and being able to go in and target these gene treatments, the, the, the example is that last patient he just talked about where two simple drugs gave her 10 years of remission at this point. She's still alive, and she was told she was going to die. And I will tell you something else. I have done multiple cancer shows, which you folks know, uh, I would, especially when I was doing the Cancer Treatment Centers of America show, and I had uh, numerous lung cancer patients uh, who had been told in their particular city by their particular oncologist they were not going to make it, who came to CTCA um, and got a gene, targeted gene treatment and went into remission. In fact, I remember one young man out of Dallas, Texas, was 35 years old and was running a 5K two weeks after his surgery, which was pretty amazing, okay? I mean, this guy looked like a linebacker for the NFL. But my point is, where they have the time and the ability to take that and, and, and do what needs to be done, um, it can make a huge difference in people's lives. And doctors need to be given the freedom to treat patients the way they need to be treated. Uh, when we come back from the break, an update on Medicare for All, and I'm going to talk about the public option. So we're going to go into those two when we come back in the last segment. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more after the break.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us on our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All the shows are posted up there, podcasts, the whole nine yards. It's right there on americashealthcareadvocate.com. Along with our videos, there's a ton of stuff up there, so go to the website, send me an email if you have a question. All right, my producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. This is our last segment. I'm going to cover a couple of topics I think you'll find kind of interesting. So let's start out with, you know, we're always being told how great the system in Sweden is. You ever remember hearing, you know, Bernie Sanders, you know, all, everybody likes to point to Sweden because they've got this great health care plan. Um, and, and, and so folks like to talk about that, especially folks that are pushing this Medicare for all. So here's a couple of interesting facts that I thought you might find interesting. The, the first one comes um, out of the Wall Street Journal. Um, and this one talks about the fact that Bernie Sanders says that he's going to tax the 1% uh, like the Jeff Bezos uh, in order to pay for this. And this article goes on to say there aren't enough Jeff Bezoses in the whole world to cover what Bernie Sanders will eventually have to go after, which means he's going to have to tax the middle class. And then it goes on to talk about Sweden, like most other cradle-to-grave welfare states, imposes a 25% VAT tax. Do you remember me in the previous shows when I've talked about Medicare for All, talking about a 10% VAT tax? Well, Sweden has a 25% VAT tax. What is a VAT tax? Value added. So if you bought a $100,000 car... Okay, you'd pay $125,000 with a VAT tax. Okay, and I just used 100000 because it's easy math and I'm lousy at math. But having said that, so you understand that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a 25% VAT tax in Sweden to make this work. Then here's another interesting article that came out of The Economist, and it's about Sweden as well. And this goes on to say, the services that you pay for taxes in Sweden have been reduced dramatically. There's almost a collapse in the system where there are so many people arriving who they're talking about now the immigrant issue, where the whole thing is falling apart. They go on to say, complaints and delays about the healthcare system have become legion with wealthier people resorting to private health insurance. What did I tell you was going to happen? Exactly what happens in the U.K., those that can afford good health care go on top of paying the taxes for the health insurance, the government health insurance, which they're not using, by the way. They turn around and they go to uh, they go buy a private health insurance plan so they can get care. There are private cancer hospitals in England that you can get into right away. In fact, Cancer Treatment Centers of America happens to operate one of them in London. Okay, so you can actually get into those cancer centers immediately. But you either have to have the money or have a private health insurance plan. Guess what? The wheels are coming off in Sweden. It's not all that you're, you're not hearing all this stuff. You're hearing some of it. So I think it's important for you to know the whole story. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about the, um, the um, public option, because this is the newest uh, version of how we're going to get to a single payer system. And I'm, I say that for a reason. If you listen to Kamala Harris, and she's talked a lot about public option and Amy Koblocker and some of these other people, uh, it's a place to start. Remember that? It's a place to start. And you may recall Barney Frank saying, you know, when they passed Obamacare that once they got the door open, they were going to kick it in. And here we had Obamacare and that was going to solve all of our problems. And now fast forward to today and we are hell bent to talk about Medicare for all. But as a pullback, especially with the election coming up, we're going to talk about the public option. So here is an interesting article uh, by Dr. Scott Atlas, uh, who is at Stanford University, uh, and, and he writes the following. Um, if, and you'll, you'll get a big kick out of this. He goes on, so you're being told that if we go to the public option, this is uh, Mr. Biden, 
and Kamala Harris and some of those, if you like your health plan your and your employer-based plan, you can keep it. I'm going to repeat that. If you like your health care plan, your employer-based plan, you can keep it. Does that sound does that sound oddly familiar? Do you remember a certain president saying, if you like your health insurance, if you like your doctor, uh, that you're going to be able to keep your health insurance? That didn't quite work out, did it? Okay, so so he goes on to say the public option is a bad idea because government insurance, uh, uh, government options mainly erode or crowd out private insurance. Rather than provide coverage to the uninsured, Jonathan Gruber of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Economist credited with designing Obamacare showed in 2007 that when the government insurance expand, six people go off private insurance for every 10 who go on the public insurance. Right. So what they're saying is, and think about this for a minute, it's not rocket science, okay? Back to my earlier conversation about Obamacare and how the subsidies have gone up and the costs have gone up. Well, the government just keeps writing the checks. So now we put in place a public option, and it does exactly what this gentleman, uh, who was an economist uh, uh, at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, says, and you're going to have the employer-based system start to erode. And then what's the answer going to be? Well, we got to go to Medicare for all now. Okay, that's going to be the answer. Okay, so the American Hospital Association says annual underpayment by Medicare and Medicaid surged to seventy-six point eight billion. I didn't say million. Seventy-six point eight billion dollars in two thousand seventeen, doubling once Obamacare's regulations came into play. That added a burden of more than fifteen hundred dollars a year on families paying private premiums. What have I said before on this broadcast? You have three tiers. You have private insurance, Medicare, and Medicaid. Medicaid reimburses hospitals and providers below cost. Medicare reverses at cost. The difference is made up by private insurance. I just read it to you, okay? The burden of more than $1,500 a year for private premiums. So what do you think is going to happen to those premiums when we go to the public option? So my point, ladies and gentlemen, is this. The The public option is all about making the next step to get to Medicare for all. There's an agenda here. Understand what the agenda is. Hey, if you're for this, that's fine, but understand what you're biting off if you choose to do this. If this is what you think is right, understand where it's going to go. And then ask yourself a question. How are we going to pay $32 trillion for health insurance Medicare over a 10-year period, because that's the estimate that comes from OMB. So it's a little more than than what people think it is, um, and I think it's going to be a lot more difficult. We'll see how this message continues to resonate with the population um, as we get closer to the election. But in my personal opinion, um, I I don't think it's going to resonate too well. An example is what's going on with Obamacare and the last line in that particular article I read you, which which was, people are afraid. Of, uh, of, of, of Medicare for all because of what they've seen as an example being put out by uh, the Obamacare policies and how badly they have failed. All right, that wraps, that wraps it up for today. If you want to reach out to us, please go to americashealthcareadvocate.com. You can uh, also do Instagram with America's Healthcare Advocate, and you can um, follow me uh, on Facebook. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. 